Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. That's us. We're the Classic Gaming Brothers. And Seth, it is 30 episodes. That's, that's right. 3-0. I never thought we would be able to make it. Me neither. I thought Actually, we'd give up after like episode 5. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. But... <laughs> um so yeah that's 30 30 true episodes that's right 31 including the episode zero and then we got a couple indie dev lounge episodes so we're like 34 30 we're almost at like 34 recordings or something like that and we have the lost episode and there's the lost episode which is gone gone forever so but we've got about 30 plus hours of content recorded which is which is great pretty dang good if i do say so myself yeah so I wanted to do some retrospection, I guess, in regards to uh, our podcast, where where we've been, where we're going. The first ever episode that we did, our episode zero, Zach and I filmed in person together. Yeah. And then every episode post that episode, we film remotely. Record. Uh, so re- re- record remotely. Yes. Film. We're not filming. There is only audio when we stream or only video when we stream. There's always audio. <laughs> We record remotely, and uh, we try different methods of recording remotely, and I think the method that we, we currently do is probably the one that we are going to be, which is the one we've been doing for uh, a majority of our podcasts, is that we, we both record an individual audio track, and then Zach mixes them together. In the yeah. event that you are curious about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes of this podcast... And uh, if you are interested in doing a podcast and you want to figure out what that's like after doing 30 weeks of podcasting, uh, let us know. We'll be more than happy to help uh, establish, um, at least help you on the back end of stuff. And of course, we're, you know, we're, we're always interested on um, having like a podcast network and yeah. uh, being and being involved in that and promote self, you know, promoting other creators and being able to promote ourselves it's like a win-win situation yeah absolutely so yeah episode 30 you get a little bit of a a little bit of a podcast in the beginning of the show and uh, (laughs) (laughs) we'll move right into our uh our standard affair with uh recently been playing yeah seth do you want to do you want to talk about what you've recently been playing sure i i love hearing the sound of my own voice so i'm gonna go first so recently i've been playing a game called evil genius it was uh developed and uh released in 2004 by a company called elixir studios and published by vivendi Uh, both of these companies are now defunct Uh, elixir closed up I think based on performance issues. I, I'm not exactly sure. Vivendi was dissolved when uh, Blizzard and Activision merged together. Uh, Vivendi's was one of the many properties that one of those companies had. And uh, they decided to dissolve it when they merged. Um, but the intellectual property was picked up by a company called Rebellion, which uh, has made the Sniper Elite games. And they've also picked up a bunch of other intellectual properties. They actually, in fact, have the intellectual property for Moonbase Commander by Humongous oh, uh, cool. Entertainment, which yeah. we just, just <laughs> talked about yeah, we just, in the yeah. previous episode. They announced in 2017 that they actually were developing a sequel to Evil Genius. They were Oh, cool. It's called Evil Genius 2 World Domination. 
And in 2019, they in the E3 of 2019, so last year's E3, uh, they premiered the first trailer for the sequel. And then they stated that the game would come out sometime in 2020, so sometime this year. Cool. Uh, so with that announcement, I decided that I was going to be like, uh, go back and play it because I, I actually hadn't beaten it. Uh, so Evil Genius is a, uh, a management game set in the 1960s to 70s. Very spy-themed. Um, I actually think more like Austin Powers versus James Bond. Okay. Um, and very much stylized in that type of over-the-top Austin Powers, that 70s deco type yeah, yeah. Yeah. feel. The way they are, they're dressed. The way that they're, the color, the, like the color palette that's used in the game, uh, it's all very um, bright. Uh, like uh, you can play as three different supervillains. There's a Corella Deville type evil villain. There's like um, a evil um, Asian inspired type villain, like the evil crime lord, and then. Um, like Doctor No type style villain, very like short, bald kind of. Uh, yeah. You build your base, and then you get there's different regions of the world, and you're trying to uh, resource manage and and build up dollars and take over the world is what you're trying to do. And you have like a little island that you build your base in, and you build different rooms, and all of the minions that you control are they do things based on direction okay versus direct control the only people you can directly control are, are your evil genius and your direct henchmen's versus your minions um so you'll have like minions and like the base minion will be like just like, like guys in yellow jumpsuits and then they kind of evolve and they all evolve into different like paths they can either go up the science path the military path or the um it's like the social path. Uh-huh. And then they do different jobs based on their different paths. And there's some jobs that all minions do, but then there's some jobs that only certain tiers do. So science people research, uh, military people are better at defending your base, and the social people can staff your hotel because you can have a hotel to kind of bring people away from your evil base because there's plenty of people on the island, like yeah, tourists okay. and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a fun type of, uh, just a fun management style type game. And, uh, I've been really enjoying getting back, playing it again. It's been like, what, 16 years since I originally, like, well, I've played it on and off, but, um, I've been really trying really hard. It's a, it's a tough game. Um, it's kind of has a, a deeper learning curve uh, the game was criticized for its pacing where the game could take a little while to get going then you've just got so much things going on like but it takes you a little while to get there but so uh what about you what have you been uh, recently been playing well i've recently been playing a very different game i've recently been playing apex legends uh which okay. is a 2019 game developed by respawn entertainment um and has been published and distributed through electronic arts uh it is a battle royale style game similar in vain to your uh your Fortnites, your your PUBG games of that nature the difference between 
you know, PUBG and and Fortnite and Apex Legends is that Apex Legends is uh, entirely a first person shooter and also set in the same universe as Titanfall. It's set in the same kind of sci-fi universe as Titanfall. So there's a lot of references to things that happened in Titanfall in the lore of Apex. I got into it a bit when the game first uh, came out and then I kind of fell off of it. And now I've gotten a little bit back into it. Not really for any particular reason. Uh, Just me and my friends have been playing a bit more. Another thing that that Apex does that at least I think is different than how Fortnite and PUBG handle the Battle Royale situation is that kind of like Overwatch, it's very uh, legend centric. So all the characters that you play as are these quote unquote legends who have their own personality and have their own abilities that are uh, unique to them. So the one legend that I was playing as a majority of is a guy named Gibraltar, who is this kind of big buff guy who's decked out in shields and he's a defensive type. So he... Yeah. I have a good story about him when you're done. Yeah, so he could generate shields and stuff like that. Uh, he has an arm shield that he pulls up. He's a he's a cool character to play as. So I was mostly playing as Gibraltar during my last time. And so far, I've just been enjoying it. I, I'm not very good at Battle Royale games, um, but my friends and I did get to second place during one of our one of our most recent playthroughs, and I managed to get at least two kills, which is amazing for me in those games. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so far, yeah, it's been it's been fun. Gibraltar also has an ability to call down an airstrike yes so when i originally was playing apex legends i uh played the gibraltar as my first character and we were at a little town that had a bunch of little buildings and one of my friends i was playing actually with two ryans at the time and one of the ryans decided to leave a bunch of gas traps Uh, we survived together, Ryan. Uh, he's put a bunch of, uh, gas traps down and dying light, Ryan. I forgot what he was doing, but he was, uh, I think setting some other type of traps because we were going to get attacked. We knew people were coming to this little town. I was on top of the roof ready to, uh, throw my airstrike at the enemies, but I, I got attacked. So I did what any person with a shield would do. And I would put, I put my shield up. Yes. So no one told me I couldn't shoot through my own shield. Oh. So I saw the enemy through my shield, and I said, ah, I will call in the airstrike. Oh, no. So I I shot the enemy with my airstrike ability, and it instead bounced off the inside of my shield and went down into the mind trap base. Yep. And I airstriked our own traps, making all the traps go off and killing everybody. Good on on our team not it was bad and that was my experience playing apex legends it's nice it's, a, it's an enjoyable uh battle royale like if you're into like a battle royale type style game that apex uh even cod and PUBG are all pretty good games if you're looking for that type of uh in fortnite style type games yeah i i definitely enjoy it i i don't play a ton again of battle royale games but i i was having fun with apex um, I like kind of the quick player movements that you can have. I mean, it's yeah. very much similar to Titanfall in that regards. I mean, you can do slides, you can do, I think, wall runs, you can, you know, grapple or shoot off uh, grappling hooks and stuff like that. Some of the characters can, you know, it's it's a lot more fast paced than some other battle royales that I've played. Um, and, and that kind of lent it to be a bit more of a, a fun time for me, though it gets to be very he- hectic when you get into those final moments and everyone's kind of in one little section. But yeah, so that's what I've been playing. And I think it's actually a nice little segue into our topic for today, because while Apex Legends and, and Fortnite and those games aren't necessarily in this topic, I would say they're kind of a, a late offshoot of this type of topic. Yeah. The topic that we're talking about today is MMORPGs. 
Yes, and as our father said when we interviewed him, what is an MMORPG? So yes, what is an MMORPG? Well, Seth, do you want to take it away on the 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 name and maybe some memories sure um so mmorpg stands for massively multiplayer online role-playing game it is a, generally a game that's uh hosted on a server by a company and many players can log into the same server and share a similar ex- gameplay experience and they can work together to solve issues and team up and or fight each other in pvp or player versus player and generally explore this world performing quests or uh, adventures for the non-player characters in the world uh throughout and explore together as a as a large group uh some uh, these servers or sometimes known as shards could have thousands of players on at any given time and some of the games would have multiple servers and shards that you can join because their population was so large that you'd be able to even perhaps i think tens of thousands i think is probably your yeah i mean the servers were also limited based on the load on um who who could you know how many people could be at a time and and depending on the i guess depending on also the time in the year like if early 90s mmos and 2000 mmos had different bandwidth as it were but generally it was a share it's a shared experience um i've actually throughout my life have played a, a decent amount of mmos and have memories of all of them as my memories are still intact uh i think probably one of my farthest reaching mmo would probably be playing some type of mud which is a uh, multi-user dungeon which is text-based uh style and i think we're going to talk a little bit about muds as well Uh, and so i can go into those specific memories later and then for graphical mmorpgs uh i'm so i did spend um time playing world of warcraft uh it was probably one of the more Going into some of the locations in World of Warcraft was truly awe-inspiring during that time, um, around 2004, 2005. And some of the locations were, were, it was just like, almost like playing like uh, a Lord of the Rings type game, which, I mean, it was a fantasy game. And there was also a Lord of the Rings game that came out eventually as well. But it was just cool kind of experiencing that type of fantasy. And I was always a big Dungeons & Dragons player. So a fantasy multiplayer game was a lot of fun. I played that. um, I played for our World of Warcraft players who are listening. I played it um, up to around the first expansion. And then I stopped. And then I would play every so often when the expansion's released. And I probably haven't played it in a long time. It's probably been at least five years since i've played any world of warcraft but i played it on on launch and it was uh i i it was an experience it was a good experience also uh city of heroes city of villains is probably the mmo that i played the most that was a superhero themed uh mmorpg and they actually do have uh some private servers it was sunset back in the day um so yeah the, the company ended up closing up all the servers. Um, there is a uh, private server, a few private servers out there that have that replicate the game itself. And you can go in and play and rebuild your old character. And that um, that's fun in more of a community sense. I had a, I had a, a 
better community experience with uh, the City of Heroes and City of Villains franchise Mm -hmm. than I did with World of Warcraft. And then I still do play some uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, which is the new Bioware Star Wars game. And, uh, well, newer, I guess, comparatively to like Star Wars Galaxies. And that game is just a really good story. It's like a Bioware single player game and i did play that and there was a period of time where i was playing that with a lot of my friends as well um definitely mmos work better with a community uh since they're kind of driven based on having massive multiplayers playing it uh so the more friends that you can have playing the game whether you meet them through the game or whether you meet them in real life and and convince them to play the game is important to the game right so yeah so what about you zachary what about what of your um, memories well so i have um a kind of a distinct early early memory of mmos and then i have kind of later memories of mmos uh, my early, early memories of MMOs come in the form of RuneScape, which was a massively multiplayer online game. It was free. It still is pretty much free. I think it's free to play up to a certain level. Back in the day when I was first playing it, it was pretty much completely free. It came out in 2001, and at that time I was in elementary school, and uh, we had computer time where we would go into the computer lab for usually about, I think it was like an hour or so. And I think we were supposed to be doing something, but our teachers kind of just let us run amok uh, in the sense that that was where I discovered things like Newgrounds and Miniclip, which were two fairly popular Flash websites at the time that had a lot of Flash games and Flash movies, and probably playing games that were not appropriate for the Christian school that I was attending. But one of the games that we got introduced to right around the time where I think our teacher said, well, you can't go on Newgrounds anymore. Um, was this game called RuneScape, which me and a few other friends of mine all signed up for. Uh, We created our characters. Um, RuneScape was this kind of 3D world that you could wander around in and you could fight uh, monsters, other other players if you wanted to. You can mine for gold. Uh, There were stores that you could go into where you can buy like, you know, new weapons and such. Um, I remember I would go back home and uh, we had two computers. We had a uh, computer that I would use downstairs, which was my, I think ours was our old Windows 95 or 98 computer that was not connected to the internet. But then we had your computer, which was upstairs that was connected to the internet. And sometimes when you would let me go on that, I would play RuneScape. And I used to call up one of my friends on the telephone because we had the ability to do that at that point. And I would be on RuneScape talking to him on the telephone and trying to figure out where he was because I was really too young to understand how like audio chat worked at that time. Um, nor was I likely allowed to have an audio chat like right and an audio chat was in its own world back then too yeah it was in its own kind of infancy back then and um, I I wasn't certainly privy to it but uh, me and my friends would kind of like just sit on the phone hogging up the phone line while we while we tried to find each other on servers um, in in RuneScape which was always a good time Um, mostly revolved around me dying a lot um, from either random villains or, or, or monsters. A little bit later in high school, me and one of my good friends, actually our artist for the podcast, Tian Long, um, we got into playing free-to-play um, MMOs, and that kind of continued into college. Uh, basically what we did was we would kind of find an MMO of the week, I guess you could say, uh, and we would download it and we'd play it for a few hours, maybe a couple times a night, and then we would kind of stop and then switch to the next one. And we did that for a bunch of them. We did that for uh, Neverwinter in its kind of early days. We did that for Star Trek Online. We did that for 
um everquest more uh, the more recent version of everquest we did that for eso we really tried to get kind of a broad experience into some of these online um mmos just to just to goof around in them a lot of times we'd get into weird situations with other players or we would uh find that the game that we were playing might have been broken for us at the time or something and weird glitches and such would happen so we would record ourselves and um share the videos with our friends yeah so uh that's some good memories of uh of yeah. mmorpgs i i remember having my computer that only i could use except for you when i wasn't home i guess um as as i alluded to mmorpgs originated from muds which were uh, multi-user dungeons that were text-based and were very similar to uh, zork except you could have multiple people playing them uh, do you want to go through and talk a little bit about uh, muds so as seth was saying some of these earliest massively multiplayer games were these multi-user dungeons and specifically the first multi-user dungeon was a game called multi-user dungeon also known as just mud and its name derived from the fact that it was a uh, it was a multiplayer tribute to another game called dungeon which itself was a variant of zork dungeon was a version of zork that was written for it was written for kind of different computers at the time and uh a, a, a fan of it a guy named uh, roy trubshaw who was attending essex university I really liked playing Dungeon, and he thought, you know, I want to play it with friends. So he uh, began and started running uh, the MUD. And uh, MUD actually became the first real game to essentially become this massive multiplayer online game. Because in the 1980s, while it was running, Essex University got connected to the ARPANET, which was the precursor to the internet. So now other people outside of Essex University were able to get into MUD and play it. So that's kind of how MUD began to kind of spread out throughout the out the world. And MUD lasted from 1978 until 1987. And uh, during this time, it kind of started to see imitators come out, which just began to be just known as MUDs. And MUDs began to grow in popularity, especially over here in the United States in the 1980s, when personal computers were just getting cheaper and cheaper and capable of handling higher Bowed rates, which is um, the the rate of transfer between a modem and a network. Muds were again all text-based, so usually the faster the 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 computer could handle, um, usually the more enjoyable because the text would come in at a faster rate, and that's just kind of how they how they started out. And there's there's hundreds of muds to speak of, and muds uh, muds kind of got their their real breakthrough through things called bulletin board systems or BBSs. And bulletin board systems were ways people could communicate with each other prior to the advent of the World Wide Web. These were, I think, the best way to describe a bulletin board system. They're 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 like forums that you not only had to know the the secret password to get to, uh, being the like the phone number to dial into, but also you had to create you know your accounts for which is again a lot like traditional forums but they were all mostly text-based sometimes they would have images done in ANSI graphics which were kind of these colorful text-based graphics that the computer could generate which weren't like real oh, kind of like um if you like a 4chan type deal sometimes 4chan will make yeah uh, ANSI graphics or yeah and not as <laughs> not as uh Volta uh, was 4chan, well, though. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> that, well, some of them um, might be. Yeah, 
well uh, classic classic bbs is traditionally um were just ways for people to communicate and there were hundreds of them out there um but one thing that a lot of them had were these things called door games and door games was a section of the bbs that you could log into to access games that would be transmitted to your computer so you can play and a good chunk of these were muds um, because muds were very easy to assemble and they're very easy to hold in terms of space on these early early servers so you could uh log into a bbs that was hosting a mud um log into the mud through through the bbs and away you go into this into this fantasy adventure and a lot of them were fantasies they um there's there's a whole bunch of muds called i think one called god wars there was again the original multi-user dungeon dragon's gate i believe was yeah, another I played one in kid mud which was also still like a fantasy um driven mud avalon the legend lives was a was an early one from 1989 uh, again these were all all text-based games but they all had a fantasy setting um and they allowed users to interact with each other um some later muds started to develop very very simple graphical elements and a lot of times the graphics were composed of text characters um using ascii or ansi artwork um so it wasn't again i wouldn't really describe them as graphical mmos but they they did have some graphical elements in the later years so that you could view a map uh, for example um which would generate through text characters on the and screen so then in uh 1991 our friends actually at SSI that we recently chatted about in a previous episode released a game called Neverwinter Nights, which is not to be confused with Neverwinter, which just came out um, recently-ish. Um, yeah. Neverwinter came out in Never- 2013. Neverwinter, or the other PC game called Neverwinter Nights, not to be confused with that. Right, yeah. 1991 Neverwinter Nights was the first graphical MMORPG Ever. And it went live on AOL for PC owners and was on for from 1991 to 1997. It was uh, the first time that people could uh, log in and play a massively multiplayer game that had role-playing elements to it. And it was, it had, and it, what better system to use than a Dungeons & Dragons type system to bring people together in the Goldbox engine. And then in 1996, SSI released uh, Dark Sun Online, which uh, was a graphical M- MMORPG that had similar graphics as the Dark Sun games did. And then... 1997 uh ultima online came on and that featured isometric 3d graphics which were different than the gold box graphics which were a flat 2d and the ssi graph or the dark sun online graphics that were 2d uh sprites as well so ultima online was isometric third person graphics and the game was much more complex than the neverwinter nights game the dark sun online games and and any of the text-based mmos and i remember hearing stories i i personally didn't play a lot of ultima online um but it is i believe with ultima online the start of like stories about the things that you can do in an mmorpg that you cannot do in another game um one of my friends had a story where he uh, essentially was able to uh, sell a boat to somebody on the dock, another player, and then pickpocket the boat from that player and just run <laughs> and just essentially take the person's money, then take the boat and just run. Um, 
it is also the um, it is the MMORPG where uh, the creator Richard Garriott, um, who is pretty um, outlandish, um, he had his 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 character, his personal character, Lord British, be murdered <laughs> at a. <laughs> at a event that he was attending and he put in a lot of different uh safeguards to prevent his murdering but he had to be locked into place because of uh the way that the text was coming out or something of that nature and somebody cast a spell that was like a firewall in that particular space and he couldn't move and it killed him and he was very mad about that, and and this and this it started bringing in like you would have people being game masters in in Ultima Online, and they would be managing the game world, and they would be either volunteers or employees of the company, and they would have game master powers that would be able to um, you know additional powers that maybe they could punish players. Um, because they still didn't, they wanted you to play, even if you figured out exploits in their game, they just uh, wanted you not to exploit it because they still wanted your monthly subscription for a lot of these games that we're going to talk about all have like a monthly subscription to them. And which nowadays they more, um, they move to a free to play method where they charge for cosmetic items. But, um, from the nineties into the 2000, there was a monthly subscription for most of these games. And with the success of Ultima Online came EverQuest in 1999, which was a full 3D third-person adventure. And it eventually also paved the way for um, games such as Asheron's Call in 1999 and the beginning of the 2000 era of the massive surge of MMORPGs. So EverQuest was a game that we could probably talk about for its own entire episode uh it was a fantasy driven role-playing game where you would go and explore this world and design your own character and head out into the unknown reaches and uh do quests with people and and level up your character um my experiences with it i played a dwarf who uh left the town and got killed by a rat and that was EverQuest. There is also now EverQuest 2. Uh, that's also a more up-to-date version. And I think that's the current version that's being played or supported. I think EverQuest 1 is still being supported too. I think they... Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. But I think EverQuest 1, I think, is being still supported. But it's gone through a lot of updates, obviously, since 1999. Yes. Asheron's Call was a, a game that came out in 1999. Uh, created by Turbine, who is uh, now owned by Warner Brothers. Uh, Turbine... It was a game company that's actually based in um, Massachusetts, and they created Asheron's Call, which was another fantasy-type game similar to EverQuest. And I actually owned a copy of Asheron's Call, did not know that it required a subscription when I purchased it, also did not have, we had dial-up internet, so I never played Asheron's Call. I only owned it and never played it. Um, but from my understanding of the game, it's a uh, a fantasy 3D game where you can explore the world as well, similar to EverQuest. Um, I think it was more realistic fantasy, but I, I'm, once again, uh, I'm not in 100% sure on that. Um, I never played Asheron's Call, and looking at pictures of it, I honestly can't tell if it's Asheron's Call or EverQuest that I'm looking at. So. <laughs> I mean, fantasy and MMORPGs really walk hand in hand. Um, oh, 100%. So 
there were a series of multiplayer, massively multiplayer games that came out. Um, to list a few, there was uh, Dark Age of Camelot that came out in 2001, Zack's favorite of RuneScape in 2001, uh, Ultima Online had a sequel that came out in 2001, uh, Final Fantasy got into the game of massively multiplayer games and did Final Fantasy 11 in 2002, and then they also did Final Fantasy 14 at a later date, uh, EVE Online, which was uh, one of the first massively multiplayer game set in space and was is an extremely complex game that requires spreadsheets to circumvent there is a a game called second life which is something we're going to talk about in a little bit but it came out in 2003 and it's like a massively multiplayer game but it's a little different city of heroes city of villains uh city of heroes came out in 2004 and then of course, the the big dad World of Warcraft in two thousand and four. Um, all all these games came out in two thousand. Um, many of these games are still operating either on the the servers that they originally launched on or um, on private servers. I so Second Life out of um, out of all these games, Second Life was a, it's kind of a virtual it was more of like a virtual life simulator versus a role massively multiplayer role-playing game you weren't playing second life to do quests and level up your character and do raids with your friends and and fight big monsters and gain xp and get items and loot and stuff like that which is what all the other games were pretty much about was getting items getting levels and uh just getting to that top tier content Second Life was about living a second life and was about you, you could be anybody that you want in Second Life. You could fly in Second Life from the beginning of the game. Um, you can, it, but it was, uh, it's, it's a, it's, but it's more than just a chat room. That's the thing. Like it, it is a, a, a 3D representation of a chat room, but it also is a lot more. And there, there are stories because Second Life has a currency called Linden which has a conversion rate to actual dollars and people would buy and sell virtual property for physical dollars and they would own nightclubs and charge rent in in their linden currency which would then be converted into actual currency and people actually became very wealthy playing second life and but it's it's a different type of mmorpg i would still put it as a massively multiplayer online game it's just not an rpg is it well yeah it's weird. yeah um and, and second life is kind of unique in the sense that um it it has like everything involved in it i mean there are churches that have had full sermons and have locations within second life there was a dedicated land that was purchased by uh, an islamic company in egypt that allowed muslims and non-muslims to perform the ritual of the hajj which is a trip to the kaaba in in mecca so that they can make the pilgrimage if they're they're physically unable to it also had embassies for real world countries like opened by the country um specifically the maldives and sweden had actual real embassies located in second life which is wild <laughs> like <laughs> and mmorpgs and mmos because they have such a large player base they tend to get people to do things uh sometimes in acts of community and some interesting things that 
I um, I learned, um, for an example, kind of um, a little real is they actually did studies on how a pandemic spreads based on World of Warcraft because of a, a blood plague that happened in World of Warcraft and that it accidentally spread throughout the entire game. And scientists have used that as a study of how humans respond to actual pandemics. And another fun story in regards to like MMOs or like heartfelt stories, a heartfelt story would be uh, there was an old Lord of the Rings online game in 2007 that came out. It still has a, a community and still has a following done by the Turbine Company. They actually held a, a service uh, for the actor Ian Holmes, who passed away recently. Um, so they got together who portrayed Bilbo. Uh, so they got together and they held a service. And these it's a, it's a place where people, especially in a time that currently um, based during recording and production of this video, it's uh, during the COVID crisis. Um, but during even during this time, MMOs can bring people together in a way that we can't. Um, to be honest, we, we just can't get together. Um, but you can get on your Lord of, Lord of the Rings uh, tune, as it were, as the terminology for your player or your avatar. And you can go to this sermon, sir, well, this service and express your condolences to other people who are obviously fans of Lord of the Rings. The Turbine Company also uh, created a game, uh, Dungeons & Dragons Online, that came in 2006. And I actually I played that game, and it was interesting because it was based on uh, the Dungeons & Dragons out at the time, the 3.5 version. And I, uh, I was really bad at that game. I was telling Zach earlier that I played a thief who did not know how to pick any locks, and the game did not have any... Uh, it didn't have really good uh, solo play, so I couldn't learn the game. I had to be part of a group, and all I knew how to do was tumble, and that was not helpful for the party. So there was a surge in 2000, partly because of the internet. And the internet moved away from dial-up to being either DSL or cable, where you could be connected to the internet and have, have high, fast download speeds pretty much all day long. And it's really the only way that these MMORPGs were able to survive and thrive was during because you you could have a cable internet and you could be connected all day and it didn't cost you additional money to be online for uh 24 hours hopefully playing their game is what they wanted the increase in popularity of of mmos between you know from the 1980s to the 1990s and then this boom in the 2000s it's definitely not a mistake it's not like a fluke um, because if you if you look at how internet speeds were increasing at that time it corresponds you know as internet speeds got commercially faster and faster and more affordable then you saw this massive rise in in mmos um, to when it became that peak kind of in the early 2000s and mmorpgs i would say a majority of them have very similar uis and very user interfaces and very similar type of gameplay you have a class that you play that has a number of abilities you target your enemy and you push a button on the keyboard and it activates the ability the ability has a cooldown and you have to activate another ability and then you'll have some level of mana endurance stamina something that 
takes away to use it and you have some health that if you get hit with a power you get injured it's pretty much how uh, a majority of the many of the mmorpg mechanics work including newer mmorpgs that are coming that have come out uh such as neverwinter in 2013 elder scrolls online in 2014 and even big licensed games such as the old republic from star wars in 2011 and star trek online in 2010 um though elder scrolls online does that have a click base but have you played that is that more of a hitbox from what i played it plays more of like a a lot like a click based mmo but with more of the controls from like your elder scrolls like bethesda uh, style skyrim yeah bethesda style gameplay so it's like playing a bethesda game just in an mmo so but neverwinter the old republic and star trek online all of the same you get a class you have buttons at the bottom of your screen you target your enemies you push your buttons that's how the game goes you fight progressively more difficult people as you go on and there really has to be something that you either have to have an investment in the game like you've had to play thousands of hours in an mmorpg to continue to want to really necessarily play it or it has to have some type of hook to get you in to play it because by now the people who have played mmorpgs are like me and have played a number of mmorpgs and they have all very similar mechanics do i really want to play another fantasy game that's very similar to all of the fantasy games that are already out or do i want to just play one of the games that i'm more familiar with and that's the kind of um push-up that the these companies are are seeing uh so they may do something like the old republic where they write these crazy stories per every class and it's like playing a single player game for every single you're essentially getting uh eight single player games for the price of one and it's now free to play or you're you're banking on your intellectual property like neverwinter and star trek online where you're banking on just getting D players or star trek fans to play your game so then we have a turn where there's now a new genre of mmorpgs that are like mmofps and so now we're kind of entering i would say the era of looter shooters as they're they're called um which include games such as Destiny, The Division, uh, and Anthem, which have RPG elements, but an FPS gameplay. Right, right. Or at least in Division's sake, I think it's third-person shooter, but it, it still follows a lot of the mechanics of other looter shooters like Destiny and Anthem. Right. Do, do you want to talk a little bit about looter shooters? Yeah, so at least from my exper- experience, I played, I played some Destiny, I played some Destiny 2, I actually... Um, I have actively played Destiny 2. I like it. It's like Seth said, they they are very much MMOs in, in the traditional sense. I mean, they're these massive games. They have plenty of uh, players and they have a lot of role-playing game elements. But they also have a kind of strong focus on their gameplay mechanic of being either third-person or first-person shooters. For Destiny's uh, sake, for example, um, it, it has a very strong reliance on needing players to do go on these raids, which, I mean, is very comparable to World of Warcraft and going on raids in World of Warcraft. But I think one of the differences is that the game doesn't necessarily fault you for playing alone, and also a good chunk of the gameplay is 
it plays just like you're playing Halo, but with like a bunch of people randomly like spawning around you every now and then. I, I don't know if I'm doing it quite the justice of describing it, but a lot of looter shooters, as the name implies, also have kind of this reliance on always getting better loot. Um, you know, that's where you kind of get the loot box system that will be used. Or, uh, for example, traditionally, when you go on these raids in Destiny, your goal will usually result in getting high gear um that is good potentially for the next raid you know a better a better gun than the one you have you know you're always up trading to the next available and better tool which which is which is a mechanic that stems all the way back to ultima online um oh yeah it's it's a it's a mechanic that you you play this game to get stuff and to level up like at the end of the yeah. at the end of the day the core mechanic is i want my character to get the coolest looking stuff and to be the highest level and i will play this game to and do whatever i need to do in the game to get to that point and and that is uh the mmorpgs do you have any final thoughts or anything i think the one thing that I think is very cool about MMOs is, you know, as Seth was saying, a lot of these MMO games have a lot of the same gameplay mechanics. I mean, a lot of them have almost identical UI. I've seen photos that compare like four or five different MMOs from the early 2000s. And they all look virtually identical to each other. But the thing that I think makes MMOs so endearing to me, the thing I think that makes them uh, so endearing to other people isn't the actual game it's never it's and it's never been the actual game it's the sense of community you get when you're playing these mmos you know if you go into world of warcraft you're playing with people who are interested in world of warcraft and warcraft lore and talking about warcraft lore and exploring this lore and history with you if you're playing lord of the rings online it's that just with tolkien if you're playing dungeon and dragons online it's that with DD and so on and so on and it's the sense of community that you create with these people that are like-minded and that's why these mmos last the way they do i mean if you look at like everquest it's been going on for what 17 16 years at this point um and it's because of that sense of community what i think is interesting and kind of sad um i actually retweeted a picture of this is is images that people have taken screenshots from the final moments of mmos um this one account that i follow on my normal twitter but i just retweeted it from our from our twitter so you should be able to see it is uh four pictures from the final moments of asheron's call tricksters online the matrix online and Star Wars Galaxies in the final moment when their server gets shut down for good. And it's this very almost, I almost want to describe it as this kind of beautiful, nostalgic image of all these players standing in one area just saying goodbye to each other. And then the last message says, like, like failed to connect or connection lost uh, it's, and it's this really like you know heartwarming image to see all these players gathered for one last time to just say goodbye to each other um you know it's like watching people graduate or something or, or watch people like say goodbye to an old friend you know and that's what some of these people are doing who knows if they reconnected um but it's uh it it that kind of thing i think appeals me to mmos is that sense of community yeah and that, and that's actually um I so I have a personal experience with being on a game that was sunsetted and being on the server when the sunset occurred. Um, I was with City of Heroes and City of Villains. I was on City of Villains when the when the game got turned off, and I 
got disconnected after saying goodbye to people who I, to this day, haven't been able to reconnect. Um, I still, if I get a private server of City of Heroes or City of Villains, I still add the person's global name because I still remember it and to see if they're there and to see if I can talk to the people that I've became friends with through the game and uh, have no other way of contacting them um, outside the game and it's there it it's a it's a sad moment but you know it's it you will not have better games if you continue to sit in older games right right so or if those games don't evolve with the times so either the game needs to evolve with the time a newer game needs to come out or you need to sunset the old product and that's just kind of how things are so with that Let's uh let's end on a happy note and talk about newer yeah. games coming out. Yeah, exactly. Go from the melancholy to the from uh, the melancholy uh, to the to the expectant and hope for the uh the the new. So uh, do Zach, how about you go first with your the by weight pass? Yeah, I think I think my by weight pass is also kind of fitting at least with the early topic that we had for this first chunk of our of our little history of of. Um, multiplayer games and that's because um, my game my by weight pass is buddy simulator 1984 uh, what a great game uh, which seth is aware of and some of you might be because we streamed buddy simulator 1984 in one of our streams not too long ago uh, it was actually as of the release of this episode um last weekend and the Buddy Simulator in 1984 is this very kind of quirky i almost want to say it's it's it has horror elements to it but it's not like a straight out horror game i think it plays a little more on the psychological element of horror um where you are connecting to a what appears to be bulletin board system in the year 1984 on a vintage computer looks uh, um in the in the pictures and stuff it actually looks like an apple too i think it's its own kind of thing though in the lore and you're communicating with your buddy your virtual buddy who you name and who you greet and who actually knows your name without you having to tell him your name which i think is a neat little uh little trick they do with the game like your actual name yeah like he will tell you like when we were playing he said hi seth and seth never inputted his name into the game it knew and i'm curious how it's going to play with that kind of I don't want to call it data mining, but that's what it is <laughs> with that data mining tool. Because there there are games that do that. I think one game in ex- that does that to a really interesting extent is uh, Black and White. And I don't know if you remember this, Seth, but when you played Black and White and characters die, they will whisper names of the person who dies. And apparently the game data mines and will look for names that are saved in Word documents so sometimes you'll sometimes you'll hear people say in black and white you'll hear your name said or you might hear like a friend of yours name said or something like that because it pulls names from from text documents that are saved in word documents that are saved in your computer going from that i I think buddy simulator has a lot to offer in terms of kind of what it can do with uh, a little bit of psychological horror um i love the setting of a of a bbs in fact you play through what kind of looks like a version of zork for the first chunk and then it evolves into kind of an early text uh, early graphic game um so i'm excited to see what it has to offer it's due to be released in the summer of 2020 which is right now so hopefully very very soon and uh i think it will be a buy for me 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a buy for me as well, and I think we're definitely going to stream it, possibly twice. Each of us, can, <laughs> each of us yeah. could stream our own experience with it. So for my byway pass, I'm going to go with a, a kind of different game in regards to what we've been talking about, and. I'm actually going to change it up on Zach. I, I put a different game in my oh. notes, so I'm going to actually talk about an entirely different game than what's in my notes. My byway pass is going to be a game called Crusader Kings 3. Oh. Um, so uh, a company called Paradox Development Studio is actually one of my more favorite development studios. They control um, not only Crusader Kings as their uh, intellectual property, but they also are working on the Vampire Bloodlines game, I believe. The the new one that's coming out, Vampire Bloodlines uh, 2. So they're creating Crusader King 3. It is a very slow game where you play as a person who has a dynasty. And the thing that's interesting about the Crusader King series is that the game follows your dynasty. So as long as you rule, you can continue to play the game through your dynasty order, through your family. But once it's once the rule switches off your family, you lose. So you have to keep the crown, whatever that crown may be, in your family and continue to pass it through. So it could be very hard to play this game if you're a king because it's very easy for a king to, through the years, um, have it be gone from that family. Uh, because it doesn't matter if they're a direct descendant of you. It matters that they're part of your like dynasty family so they can remarry and you can screw up your whole lineage and you could and you could play as small as like a baron's one little realm and you have advisors and you have to do diplomacy and you have to marry people you know like you're trying to marry off your children to get allies um there's you can have war you can take over places um but it's a kingdom simulator is what it's called and uh very much a a a grand strategy experience um it is due to come out on september 1st of 2020 which is the first day of my birthday month oh maybe that uh gives me an idea that's good because i'm gonna put it down as a wait um (laughs) uh so actually it's it's gonna re it's gonna MSRP at forty nine ninety nine. Uh the Royal Edition will be MSRPing at seventy four ninety nine. So I have Crusader Kings two and I have a lot of the expansion packs. They always have a lot of expansion packs. It tends to be one of those games where you're always buying expansion packs to get more content, so like they'll add the Pope or they'll add some other family or something. Um Yeah, that sounds about right. It's it's good. It's fun. It it is a long game. It is like sitting down to play a Civ game. So it does um tend to uh take some time to uh it it takes some you have to have some time available to play the game which is why i'm putting it down as a wait because i don't always have the time to play long games like uh crusader kings or civ but uh it is a uh like i'm just looking i see that i have 17.8 hours on crusader kings 2 i'm pretty positive that's like three games but and probably three bad games. I've I've started a lot of Crusader Kings games. So yeah, so that's that. It's gonna be a wait. Maybe Zach will buy it from him for my birthday. That'll be fun. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, so there's that. So that is the end of our thirtieth 
episode. The big three zero. Big three zero. So, Zach, do you want to tell everybody about how they can contact us, support us, and listen to us? So, if you're looking to contact us, listen to us, or support us, I'm going to give you all the instructions that you need to have the desires to do those things fulfilled so um starting off with contacting us there's plenty of ways you can contact us you can do so by going into your email right at this moment clicking new email and in the to field typing classic gaming brothers at gmail.com and what you're going to do in the subject line is say hi brothers and in the body paragraph you're going to say hello brothers my name is blank i would like to be entered into the chance for a drawing of a free game. Here is my blah, 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 love fan. If someone sends that exact message, you'll be entered into a drawing for a free free game, I tell you. Um, so that's one way that you can definitely reach out to us. You can also reach out to us by going to our website and going to the contact form on our website. While you're on your, our website, feel free to check out our store and also um, just our front page. You can listen to some of our episodes right there. Uh, if you are interested in contacting us through social media, we have a Facebook that we maintain, Classic Gaming Brothers. We have an Instagram that we maintain, Classic Gaming Brothers. And we have a Twitter that we maintain that, due to unforeseen consequences, is CG Brothers Pod. Um, so feel free to reach out to us on any, any of those methods. Um, Seth will probably respond to you for the majority of them. I will likely respond to you on Twitter because I monitor that fairly regularly now let's say you want to listen to us you know you're already doing that but say you want to tell other people to listen to us or maybe you're getting bored of the podcasting app that you're on well good news is we're on a bunch of podcasting apps we're on plenty of them and uh i can name a few off the bat but you know seth always gives me gives me heck for when i say one because i'm like oh did you hear we're on this one (laughs) and i can say it every single time um but it's true. We're we're on iTunes. We're on we're on Apple. Oh, iTunes. We're on uh, we're on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Podcast, uh, I you said iTunes, um, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, um, TuneIn <laughs> Radio. TuneIn. Yeah, you you name it, we got it. They got it. Um, if for some reason there's a podcasting app out there we're not on, let's say you're listening to this on such and such podcasting app and you don't like it anymore and you've just heard of a great new podcasting app that everyone's using and it's the new hip thing to do, well, reach out to us and we'll try to get onto that podcasting app just for you. And that, that will be the truth right there. Uh, we'll do our best. You can also go to our website, as I mentioned, and listen to our episodes right there. Um, they are they are, um embedded there through podbean and also you can go to our youtube channel where we've been uploading all of our episodes and also some of our twitch streams will we've kind of been backlogging them onto our uh youtube channel speaking of which if you want to see what seth and i look like or you want to see just how good at video games we're not then you can go to our twitch which is uh, twitch.tv uh, classic gaming brothers if you want to see what my side of the game looks like sometimes when we're playing multiplayer games i'll stream a bit depending on how my internet's behaving go uh, put a vs right before classic gaming brothers and look at that you're right on my side um, you can pull us up if you have two monitors you'll put one up in one or the other and you know put one in the other and you know mute and unmute the audio i don't know what you're doing there but yeah that's that's just some of the some of the ways that you can uh you can uh listen to us and such um and if you want to support us tell three friends you know, that's the best way to do it. 
Only three. Don't tell any more. Because I think as Seth said the last time, which I got a kick out of, was that if you like something, you tell three friends. If you like, if you don't like something, you tell more. Uh, yeah. We only <laughs> want you to I tell think, three. Uh, I, that's I got that now. That's my um, that's going to be my life motto. I think that's going to yeah, be the name of my memoir. Just tell three friends. No, my life memoir is going to be <laughs> tell more. <laughs> tell more. <laughs> <laughs> um, um and if for some reason you want to wear our face or something like that check out our store i mentioned it earlier but you can purchase uh, t-shirts you can pur- purchase mugs um if for some reason you are still listening to this and it's during the covid19 pandemic then which is this sunday uh, still that there just is a slight delay in terms of ordering stuff i usually might take about a month or so to ship oh we'll still take your money but it just might be a little longer before you get your product uh if you're listening to this and it's after the COVID 19 pandemic congratulations you've made it and also hopefully this issue is no longer an issue am i missing anything no and we'll update the website once we get back to normal shipping times so if you go to the website and it doesn't have a big disclaimer that says it's going to take a little while then you should be able to be confident that it will arrive not within 25 to 30 days, but within maybe five to seven days, which is, I believe, our standard shipping time. Um, yes. Yep. So there's that. Um, I think that's it. I think you covered everything there. One more thing I just want to um, remind everyone, we'll probably be plugging this for the most part up until the actual time, but in November, we're going to be hosting a 24-hour live stream for Extra Life. Um, Extra Life is a charity. We're going to be raising money for uh, children's hospitals, um, and it's going to be a good time. Uh, We we might have a couple of guests joining us for for the stream. We're, We're coordinating everything and hopefully we'll get a kind of early itinerary out yes so we are part of the extra life website so you can look up classic gaming brothers on the extra life website uh we will also probably dedicate a portion of our website to the extra life itinerary to kind of list out what games we're playing during what time it's not going to be a hard and fast itinerary um but it will be kind of like what we are planning on. Um, we will, I mean, if you have a suggestion for a game that you want us to see us play specifically, uh, send us the game recommendation and a time that you want to watch us in, and we will put it in the itinerary. And as yeah. we build it out, we'll let you know if the time slot's available or not. Uh, currently, the whole 24-hour period time is available. So, But if you really want to watch us play, for example, uh, Crusader Kings 3 at 3 in the morning, well... By all means, just send it on over because uh, it'll be out by then. Or Dark Sun uh, 2, uh, Wake of the Ravager. So anyway, I think that's going to be it. Um, yeah, I think so too. Do you have anything else left to say? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Seth. And I've been Zach. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's, that's right. right. What did we even talk about this episode? Oh, MMORPGs. That's right. Yeah, but there isn't like anything to like do that's funny about MMORPGs. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say. Well, there's. Zog, I mean, there's but... tons of funny things about MMORPGs. Uh, yeah, I know. I I can tell you a story about something in regards to it, but uh, it's already at the end of the podcast, and so nobody's listening. <laughs> <laughs>